Good morning, Father Dave. It's been a while. Yeah, buddy. Good morning, Mr. Costa. Christmas Eve was the last time we recorded. I would like to believe that that was the last time we were actually going to see each other. But unfortunately, <laughs> no, unfortunately we not. Each, we saw each other more than we wanted to during the break. Yep. And and um, but we've we've come out of it okay. You know, thank God. You speak um, for yourself. <laughs> So th- this really would mean nothing to you listening, but we we've really upgraded our deal here. We we are actually in a in a studio. The studio is at our school. Yeah. Which I, when we started this, I I forgot we had the studio. Yeah, I've never been in here, so this is a first. I, I actually feel professional. Yeah. For the first time in. Yeah. Pre- we have like real mics. Before this, we had been sitting in my office sharing a mic, which you probably heard because. We would like lean back and talk, and then after I listened to it, I realized one of us was far off the mic. So this should be better. It was or, deliberate. We really wanted to kind of fade you out right from the beginning. <laughs> um, so Sunday, AFC and NFC championship games. Big games. What are you going for? What are you going for? You know what? I don't. I don't dislike Brady like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. I kind of admire because he works hard. I admire him. Yeah, and he, he works hard and. Um, but I, I, but there's a little mystique with me about Green Bay. But it is ironic, right? You have two kind of—I don't want to call them elderly quarterbacks—but for football, they're elderly. Uh, in the AFC, there you almost had, uh, you almost had the Browns. Yeah, deplete that, the uh, the Chiefs there. That would have been they almost. They almost took it, and it really had that the, the play at the end of the halftime there, mm-hmm. where. Uh, I forget the receiver there on on Cleveland when he stretched out and got leveled. Yep. Uh, that ball popped out. It was really the it was really the deciding po- uh, factor in the game. So I don't know who I'm rooting for there. I think I'm going to go for the Chiefs. What about you? Oh, you know, I after watching ESPN's extended series thirty for thirty on, on the Bills, the Bills. The I Buffalo, know. I've seen Buffalo, that too. Buffalo, there's a part of me that gets really nostalgic because I was like a, I was a teenager during that time frame. Yeah. Didn't like the Bills anyway. Right. But like watch that almost teared up because of like, oh, you know what? They couldn't have got one. And then like to look back and say, you made it to four Super Bowls. That really is incredible. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. And by inches, wide right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And it like that could have changed their whole history. Yeah. Uh, so I think I wouldn't mind seeing mm-hmm. like the Bills go all the way. Yeah. Uh, I just love and I, it always that's a big thing in our family. Like, well, we're going to play football. It's 319, 319. <laughs> you know, that is it. So, like, to yeah. see Aaron Rodgers go, yeah, you know, Tom Brady, I get it. I get understand people saying, you know, he's the GOAT. Like, mm-hmm. you just want to see greatness play itself out. Yeah, so he absolutely. walks off the field. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that with Drew Brees. Right, right, right. Right? Uh, so. Did you see the, the little video that came out after the Saints-Bucks game? Where um, Breeze went on the field with his family, and and Brady came over to them. I I was I had heard about it. It was very cool. It was short, and I don't. Yeah. It wasn't done for anybody to to see. I think some just people happen to have their cell phones. And he was throwing passes to Breeze's kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I yeah it was yeah. very cool. Which I think I mean, can you imagine being Breeze's kids? No, you know, like and, and like that banter back and forth. Like, Absolutely. Oh, I'm who, sure they were trash think, talking. Who do you think is better? Yeah. You know? <laughs> is it Dad? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> or Brady? <laughs> like even if he wanted to say Brady, even if the kids wanted to say Brady, they knew they weren't going to eat dinner that night. <laughs> 
So that, at least it's fun to look forward to. And I think, I don't know about you, I do appreciate sports a little more. And we've talked about sports many times. Yeah. But because we didn't have it in the spring, you know, I'm not taking yeah. it for granted anymore. Ben, I don't know. I don't know what your feelings were of this. Uh, I, I just, I was so disheartened with baseball yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, and how they kind of acted and dealt with yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. And baseball is my favorite sport. Yeah. So to kind of... I didn't. I don't even know if I watched a full game last year. I'm not sure I did either. Yeah. And and it was also something about the way it was televised, and this was no one's fault to me. And and it was more evident that the stadiums were empty in baseball than any other sport. Yeah. I mean, because when we were watching the NBA and the NHL in the summer and in the fall, you know, they had those those tarps covering, and, yeah. and the camera angles really were just on the court and on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, baseball, you tended to be very. Um, it would be something that it would be very clear to you. These were empty stadiums. Yeah, you know, yeah, and it would, no, to me that was just a reminder. It was. It was nice. I tuned into the playoffs a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was happy to see Clayton Kershaw get, mm-hmm. get the World Series win. Yeah, uh, which I consider because it was a tough year, and mm-hmm. even with all the adversity that the, everybody had to go through, uh, I guess I was just disheartened how they let it play out so long. Yeah, uh, and they could have provided a lot of relief for oh, a lot of yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. I wish, and it's you know the players and owners, and that battle's been going on for years. Yeah. Speaking of the Dodgers, we we saw that that Tommy Lasorda had passed away. Yeah. And you know, quite a quite a figure, um, even for my generation. Um, you realize the Dodgers had from between and and anybody listening, mm-hmm. you probably correct me on these years. I think it was 1954 to 94. I might be slightly off on years. They had two managers. Walter Ralston and and Tommy Lasorda. And for for years, I I worked at Chase Stadium. And on Sunday, it was a very Catholic um, type of place at the time for the people working there. It had like a Catholic culture to it. I'm not really sure why. But we um, we would have mass down the Jets' old locker room. I'm not sure if I mentioned this before. Yeah, you would tell me that. Yeah. um, But when the Dodgers were in, Tommy would always come to mass. Yeah, you know, and it was so it was he kind of put his uh, put his money where his mouth was, and uh, but I did see a picture, and it wasn't widely circulated that they had um, a little ceremony from at Dodger Stadium because it was a picture actually of the the casket on the mound, really, with some of the Dodger players around it. Mm. Um, it was just one picture I saw. I don't know much of the story about it. But I, I've never seen that before. I know when Babe Ruth died, they kind of waked him in Yankee Stadium and people yeah. could come. But that was like in the corridors. I've seen pictures of that. Uh, but this was out on the field. And I don't think there were fans there because it's, well, it's L.A. Right. You know, and, yeah, right, yeah. There's a, yeah. there's a, a stay-at-home order there right now. But Do you remember were... This Week in Baseball? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, that was on in the spring. They were re-showing it. They were re-showing it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I grew up with it. My, mm-hmm. You know, we watched it, yep. and I loved this week in baseball, especially too, because growing up, we didn't have we had basic television. We didn't have cable. Yeah. So you we never got to get, see the other teams. Nope. Never. Yep. Didn't have ESPN. Pre ESPN. Yeah. So like, yeah. So it was like I had to wait for this week in baseball to get the highlights. Mm-hmm. And I remember them showing a highlight of Tommy Lasorda arguing a play a play at home plate. Yeah. He comes running out to the umpire. And for, let's just say, say for argument's sake that the umpire's name was Jerry. And he just gets in Jerry's face. He's yelling and screaming at him. You think from a distance they're yelling about the play at home plate. Mm-hmm. 
But he's yelling about, he's yelling at the umpire as to why he didn't come to dinner, why he got blown off for dinner like two nights <laughs> yeah. before. How dare you blow me off for dinner, right? When are we going to get back together? And they go through this whole yeah. sequence together. It was hysterical. I've never seen that before, but I can picture oh, him doing gosh. it. gosh. It was, I, you just, I couldn't help but you just laugh because yeah. it's like, wow, he really looks like he's arguing with yeah. his play. <laughs> and no, I'm saying it's like, I know Tommy. I'd never met Tommy. But... He probably like had a really good Italian restaurant in whatever city it was. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah so exactly. Yeah. I blew these reservations. <laughs> so that actually gives us a segue. Oh, a big segue. Little because uh, we were we 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 heard from a, a parent, one of our of our students, that asked us to talk a little bit about purgatory um, in this and, and whenever we were going to record again. So um, I, I generally feel pretty comfortable talking about many topics. I got to tell you, I don't really know much about purgatory, See, and, and he, I, w- I wish I knew more, guys, or I or I do know, but I don't know that I know. Guys, he says that he doesn't know anything about purgatory, but for one, <laughs> he's had to work with me for a year and a half. Yeah. That is purgative in itself. He is just yet to admit it. I like the way you turned that into purgative. That's, <laughs> that's very impressive. And then to top it off, too, number two. He's a Met fan, <laughs> so us Met fans, right? We live. In a state of purgatory. That's true. It's been a long, long time. It's just a, it's just a purge. Yep, yep. And and by evidence this week, the Mets had to get rid of their general manager. Yeah. yeah that was the general manager for a month. We live in a state of hope. Yeah. And we and it just this burning pain as we watch our team unfold. <laughs> yep. I, I imagine once I said the word purgatory, people who have listened to this podcast before knew that it was only, you know, half a second before we would realize, uh, before we would talk about the relationship we have to each other as, as purgative, as you say it. So all we did, we kind of filled in the blanks for half the listeners. Well, I mean, think about it, right? When you're, when you're like, the church teaches that when you're in purgatory, mm-hmm. right, that you, it's, it's this final cleansing for all of those uh, sins that have gone unconfessed or unacknowledged yeah. and the pain that you've caused other people. It's... It's the, I mean, it's the last stop before heaven, so there mm-hmm. is no trap door here, mm-hmm. right, into the fiery chasm of hell. Right. Right? But you're seeing eternal glory. So you can, the pain that people usually describe with purgatory is associated with being able to see heaven and its glory, and yet knowing you're not ready to get there yet. Right. And still undergoing maybe the pain of, having caused somebody some uh, some hard feelings in their life that you had not acknowledged in your life on earth. And just think about that in our time here. Mm-hmm. You're already probably looking for another priest <laughs> to take over here. And you're just waiting for a better time in campus yep. ministry for St. John the Baptist. When, when is your term over, actually? <laughs> I might just put in for an extension. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I might retire. <laughs> One of the the observations I've had, even over the last few years, as as all of us like we're called to to go deeper into our faith, is that the more I learn about our faith, the more I realize of of how much it draws us to freedom, draws us to clarity, and draws us to seeing what's really beautiful, not what the world tells us is beautiful, right. but what really is is beautiful. And and when you were just talking, well, leading to an insult to me, but as you were saying that, you were talking about the, um, we, we kind of are able to see, to see heaven. And 
it's almost um, a way of, of helping us, the, the idea of purgatory is almost the idea of helping us really understand it when we get there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm so, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells a little bit here because I, I don't want to say anything heretical or anything that's going to get me fired. Guys, I will out him in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> this could be the last podcast. <laughs> But so long, farewell. <laughs> one of the one of the many I like a lot of genres of music. One of the genres I like is is classical music, and but I, I had to learn about it. To, mm-hmm. And then the more I learned, the more I see, my God, that's absolutely beautiful. Not not every single piece, of course, that I think is beautiful. But in in my own opinion, in my own way of, of viewing beauty, um, that's that's taken a little bit of, of time, yeah. you know, to understand that. And um, I, I think some people think of, of purgatory as almost like a punishment, like you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps it's, it's not that we're good enough, is that God loves us so much, he wants us to fully experience his life. Not partially experience his life, but fully experience life. Some people on earth, I think, do get it. I, I, think, I think the moderns get it. Like they, they have, have given themselves up <clears throat> to, to fully understand and fully live in God's life. Yeah, you yeah. Know. I've come to a deeper appreciation of purgatory and a, a deeper clarification for for myself and something that I have found uh, easier to communicate is the connection of purgatory and confession. Mm. Um, because uh, I think there's, I think there is a, a deep bond between the two <clears throat> and uh, and the experience shows. I mean, like, I don't. I mean, I go to confession. I don't like going to confession. I mean, it's 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 humbling. Uh, uh, but what are we doing when we go to confession? We're we're purging our ourselves, uh, our pride, uh, and humbling our, ourselves in front of Christ uh, to let go of the things that we willingly or unwillingly have done wrong. Mm-hmm. And that is a purging uh, in the spiritual life. It's a, it's a purging of our pride. And that is what takes place in purgatory. We can't, we can't ascend to heavenly glory, uh, as the scriptures say, until we are, until and the church teaching, until we are completely cleansed of all of the misdeeds and faults that have occurred in this life. And what I what I quite often get at times is people asking me the question, well, well, Father, like, you know, it's it's been it's been so long, uh, it's been fifty years since I've thought about something that I've done wrong, or, you know, like, why is that? And and I like to believe that that is the Holy Spirit for for a person who is looking to. Is like the desire of their soul and their heart to really cleanse themselves in a state of holiness. Like that—that's how I—I I have sought people growing in holiness, because the Holy Spirit is working in this life to purge that person of those of that guilt of that mm-hmm. of that you know of that shame of the sins that might have happened in their early teenage years or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it can be something that they remember uh, that to them was important 
you know, to other people it might not seem important, but mm -hmm. for them in their soul, it is important. So the Holy Spirit, I believe, brings it back to the surface to have it reconfessed, to give a full act of, maybe when a person was in their teenage years, they confessed it, but they didn't have the same understanding of, of pain that they caused. And so later on in their life, the, the Holy Spirit has revealed this and has brought it to full completion. With, with age comes wisdom. And, and do you find that a lot, that something that someone's coming to in the confessional for something that happened a long time ago that they didn't even confess, they didn't even necessarily realize was a sin? But their their thinking has changed because maybe they're just seeing life a little bit more clear now. Definitely, yeah. definitely, and and like one of the one of the titles that we give for the Holy Spirit is sanctifier. Mm -hmm. And to sanctify is to be made holy. Yeah. You know, and and I think that I mean because we are called to be the temple of the Holy Spirit to to be this beautiful tabernacle for our Lord Jesus and. So the Holy Spirit is constantly at work within us, uh, getting getting all of this stuff out. Uh, I like to call it it's the it's the beam me up Scotty process. Okay. You know, because like the more we willingly accept that invitation from the Holy Spirit here on earth, the quicker that whole transfer through purgatory is mm -hmm. because we've acknowledged so much here on this earth. Also. I do believe it creates a healthy habit. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we're going to use we're going to use my favorite baseball player of all time, right? You know, I don't even know this. Cecil Fielder, Big Daddy. I've heard you talk about him. I didn't realize he was your favorite. He's my favorite player of all. I got a hundred baseball cards of him. Collected his baseball card. Don't have his rookie card, but I got a signed baseball from him. Really? Oh yeah, that's at. The, I should bring it into the into the office, but uh, I have that. Uh, in my uh, in my house before the steroid era, didn't he? Wasn't he one of the few to hit fifty home runs? Like yeah. him and George Foster and yeah. that. Yeah. That now everybody does it, but yeah, now yeah. everybody does it. But yeah. like the the ball was a little bit, it, it was a little deader. The, yeah. It was more of a pitcher's game, and and he hit fifty. What kind of? We'll get back to the your thing in a second. What kind of park was Tiger Stadium to hit in? Was it a hitter's park, pitcher's park? Uh, you know, I was, I, they tore it down yeah. uh, when I was still in middle school. Right, okay. Uh, the impression I was under was that it was more of a pitcher's park. Okay. He did have the reputation of hitting a ton of balls on the roof of Yankee of, of Tiger Stadium. Wow. And then at the, at the very end, right before they, they shut it down and they rebuilt and they built Comerica, mm -hmm. he hit it out of the stadium. Did he really? Yeah. My gosh. Yeah. I mean, he was a big boy. Oh yeah, no, he yeah. he was huge, and yeah. I saw him. I think I went to one Yankee game. I'm almost positive I did. Maybe like '91. Would he even playing, uh, still playing in '91? Oh yeah, no, because he was on or the Yankees '96. Uh, they traded him in '96. Right, right, right. But I think Yankees. he was still with the the, Tigers, the Tigers, and I saw him. Yeah, and yeah, I saw he had him. just come back from Japan. Okay. I think he spent '89 and '90. Okay. And during that time, uh, he uh, he struggled on the Blue Jays, and then he went off to Japan. Mm -hmm. And they got him into a habit of, of uh, you know, really working on his swing and taking his game to the next level. Cool. And it was there that he revitalized his career uh, and got into a healthy habit okay. of, of like of his batting stance and, and mm -hmm. really connecting with the ball, seeing like making eye contact, uh, which turned him into, 
you know, really a prolific uh, in, for for the early '90s. Oh, at that time, home run hitter, absolutely. Um, but I think that I like to use that as like as an example for um, for the habit of the spiritual life, mm-hmm. uh, because he was in a process there when he was retooling his game in Japan to to build healthy habits to be an all-star player. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Holy Spirit is engaging us in the spiritual life, it's helping us make holy, healthy habits and decisions. Uh, and when we do that and we choose that more and more in this life, it's so much easier at the end to choose our Lord at the final judgment. Mm-hmm. And to, it's one more habitual decision to say, yes, Lord. Because yeah. we've been saying yes our whole life. If we're not in the healthy habit uh, of saying yes to him on this earth, uh, then uh, seeing Jesus in his final glory is going to be lackluster. It's going to be boring. Yeah. Uh, and it's and we're not going to choose him. And, and so we won't get to that purgative state because we would have essentially chosen hell for ourselves. I think one of the... <clears throat> The drawers of that Holy Spirit leading us with that with that discipline is not. I, I think some who might be listening um, would perhaps, depending on how they grew up, think of religion, think of Catholicism as burdensome, as mm. um, as actually purgatory itself in, in in the negative sense of that. In that we just have to kind of drone through life, and and then if we're lucky, we're going to get to heaven. Right? right, and and the right. church would dismiss all that, because I'm sure you've seen, I've seen, the people who I see are most happy in the world are people who are um, really faithful and 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 practice their faith and work at their faith, and and other people will look at them and say, I want whatever he's having, or I want whatever she's having, you yeah. know, and and one of the things that we worked at for for the past few years is bring people into our school that are like that. Yeah. You know, um, every conversation may not be a religious conversation, but it's it's full of joy and full of happiness where it, it leaves the other saying that whatever they're doing, I'm really interested in what they're doing because I want to be like that. I want to be that happy. And ironically, that's what the world offers us to that happiness. Typically, if we buy things and we subscribe to their way of how we should be. Right. And, and we find out that doesn't bring us happiness. It might bring us a momentary glimpse of you know, uh, relief of stress or whatever it might be, uh, but ultimately doesn't lead to happiness. So as we're moving towards that that glorious vision of, of Christ, we um, can be happy in the process doing it. And and I think I need a better word than happy. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I, it's more I, profound I, than that. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I, I try to make a distinction between joy and happiness. Yeah. Um, and, you know, happiness is that the motion that comes and goes. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, where I think it, when when we're living a joyful life, mm-hmm. um, I, I think joy and peace are very much intermingled in the yeah. spiritual life. That's a good way to put it, um, right? Because then it's a then it's a you're, you're in a state of being. Because then it's it, it's not so much like you know my life stinks right now, everything's falling apart. You know they they could say that but they could still be a very much a level of peace mm-hmm. in the midst of all that, knowing that the Lord is going to help them get through it because they trust and believe in him. Right. Whereas if you're just living momentary moments of, like of uh, experiences of happiness, that all fades yeah. when you come across like a real stumbling block. Yeah. 
you know, a real cross in your life. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, despair sets in real quick. And I think I think we've seen that, especially in in the past ten months, right? We're ten months into the pandemic mm -hmm. now, and you've seen people who have really kept it together, you know. Um, and and very often, and we you know we surround ourselves. We, we're living in this orbit of of, um, of faithful people, so it's a little bit you know easier for us um, to see the people who have come through it well. And can, but yeah. not the, and then not like you said, not that they don't have bad days, and we all do. Yeah, you know. Um, I think you and I could read each other first thing in the morning. What kind of day it's going to be? Yeah. <laughs> but that, but that, that, that joy and 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 as you say, the the peace kind of pervades. Yeah, you know, carries yeah. Well, us through. That you know, Jesus says in John ten ten. You know, I've come to live life. I, I came so that you might live life and live it more abundantly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then our experience of the mass when uh, when he says peace I give you my peace I give you uh, you know at, after the resurrection uh, so like we we understand that 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 abundance of life is not living these extreme moments and thrills you know to get these moments of happiness but uh, I mean in 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 their if they're good things they they're not necessarily bad things, but when we're, you know, when we're looking at a state of being, yeah, it doesn't have that glamour. But man, it just is—it's so deep, and I think it has to go back to, you know, the cooperating with the Holy Spirit uh, actively in this life <clears throat> to help purge us of our sins. You know, uh, I I love diving into new shows in Netflix. I'm I'm, I'm really kind of into like the but this serial killer kind of drama stuff and all that. Oh, stuff. that's or, sweet. Or the, yeah, it's it's sick, yeah. right? But but all of the, or the comedies and mm -hmm. and like when you come across people who have fallen into some level of sin, you see. I mean, I think Hollywood does a good job of creating the struggle mentally within. They just don't know how to get over it, and yeah. of course, Hollywood comes up with their own version of how they're supposed to overcome this and attain okay. freedom again. But with all that, like that is that essentially is the problem of the human person. Without Christ, there is no answer for sin. Yeah. And and what it creates mentally, the problems that it creates mentally and psychologically and emotionally on a person. So the beautiful sacrament of confession the beautiful sacrament that that uh, of healing that it brings to know that there is this forgiveness from a higher power uh, to know that we're not terrible mm -hmm. that, that that there is forgiveness in store uh, in align with making those healthy decisions going forward to repair those things uh, is is working out our salvation through Christ it's interesting what you just said about the realization we're not terrible. I, I think the the perception, especially many who are outside the church, are the church tells us we're terrible. But I really think in, in the sacrament of confession, it, it, we need to overcome the fact that we think we're terrible. We're not. The church is certainly not saying we're not. Right. God is not saying we're not. 
Yeah. It tends to be us. Yeah. And I, I wonder why we have that reflexive tendency to even stay away from the sacrament or in a broader sense, stay away from the church because they, uh, we think it's, it's them who's telling us we're terrible. Yeah. And, and, and we don't. Mm-hmm. The, the church doesn't do that. Right. You know, right. it just tells us you are loved unconditionally. Yeah. Yeah. I always grew up with this analogy, too, to bring it back to baseball, mm-hmm. uh, you know, regarding it to the spiritual life. And, uh, you know, a guy that makes it to the Hall of Fame traditionally. Yeah, I know where you're going. Yep. You, know, he, you know, if he has a 300 average, that means seven out of ten times he failed. Yes. You know, getting a hit. Uh, no, that's a great analogy as far as what we're talking about. Yeah, especially with the spiritual life. So, like, to, but to... But to work through those slumps, yeah, you know, especially with the Lord to overcome those things, mm-hmm. uh, those spiritual issues, uh, and to really, when we say we're sorry in the confessional, to mean it in our life and with the way we act and the way we live going forward, uh, I think is helping us, you know, uh, along the way of attaining the Hall of Fame, quote unquote, sure, you know, yeah. a heavenly glory. Mm-hmm. Really quickly, just just a kind of also, uh, being that we're talking about purgatory, uh, one of the other experiences that I have been um, been grateful to experience, and I think human suffering, you know, like uh, Salvifici Dolores, John Paul II's letter on the, the, the Christian meaning of human suffering uh, that he wrote in the late 80s, early 90s, I think is also very important for understanding uh, what purgatory is too. Uh, now the church teaches that we, we can go through, uh, you know, we, we can live out some of our purgatory here on earth uh, as, a, as also in the next life to come. Uh, and and I've, I've witnessed people suffer, suffer on Calvary um, longer than the three hours mm-hmm. that our Lord had suffered. Um, uh, and and all within the context of um, having that relationship with Christ, being able to walk with them, anoint their loved ones who might be suffering with dementia or uh, going through some real physical illnesses or mental illnesses towards the end of their life or for years to the end of their life. I do believe we do not understand the level and the depth that God will use our sufferings um, and, and what he is doing in the midst of that suffering. Um, Do you, would you, are you saying that from the perspective of the person suffering or for those on the outside witnessing the both. suffering? For both? I okay. believe both. When, when I have had the opportunity to see a son or a daughter or a spouse uh, walk with their loved one uh, who, who might not remember them, because of dementia uh, or have to really deal with them in a hospital bed. I mean, that gurney is Calvary Mm. uh, for the person who is undergoing all of that pain and to see that maybe it's cancer and they're seeing their loved one wither away physically. That's Calvary. And when when, when one is asking our Lord to get through all of that, we don't know first and foremost what that suffering is doing um, with with helping the one who is witnessing it and living it, uh, their loved one go through that suffering. Um, I I think that there's 
Uh, first of all, I think Jesus, in the midst of that suffering, is asking us to go beyond uh, what we understand uh, or how much we thought we could love. But I also believe that there is, when we're in the midst of that, there's something purgative mm -hmm. um, that, that one could possibly be living out their purgatory here on earth, you know? Almost like a gift. Almost as if a gift. Yeah, and it's so hard because it, we've talked about this theme before, but that theme of surrendering to it. We want to fix it. That's part of our mentality. Right. Fix the suffering, fix the pain. And that's understandable, totally mm -hmm. understandable. Yeah. But sometimes you can't. And, and the church uses this image of the fire of purgatory, and it's not the fire of, of burning. It's not the fire of hell. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the fire of hardening us yes. and making us stronger to, to see, right. um, to see the, the glorious risen Christ. It strikes me as a society that we very easily submit ourselves, surrender ourselves to other people for the benefit of us, sometimes for the good benefit of us. So I'm thinking like a personal trainer, mm -hmm. you know, and they're yeah. fine. I'm not saying anything negative about no. doing that um, at all, but we're, we, we could very easily do this. I, for a few years, I was dabbling around in, in marathons and on one of them, um, I asked somebody to recommend a trainer, and he wound up doing it himself. So every week, he would send me um, what I needed to do, how far I needed to run, what days of the week it was, uh, how to do intervals, what the time should be, um, how to do the long runs. Every week, I got this. I totally trusted this guy, yeah. you know, and, and he made me better. There was one Sunday morning, it was hot and humid, and it was like, if, you, if anybody's ever run a marathon, you know, and on the weekend you have to do these long runs. So it might have been like, it was getting near the end, it was like a 17-mile run or something. And I was just like whining about it. And it was hot and humid, and I got, I got up too late. I was always trying to run before the sun came up in the summer. So I was texting him, and he said to me, I said, yeah, that's all nice, but like, just get off your butt and run. <laughs> And like I, I, I needed that, and I, I had the trust in him to push me. So the point is, we 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 bring people in our lives that we trust for for our own benefit, no doubt. It's painful running that seventeen miles in, in humidity. Yeah. In humidity, and it makes you a better person, both mentally, physically. Mm -hmm. But it's just harder for some, and for myself at times, to give that same level of trust that that Jesus is going to make us better. You know, yeah. and, and, when, and that when you was talking about the suffering, that's what it reminded me about the example I just gave. I chose that suffering and, and sure. many people choose it. Right. And, and you're talking about something that's it's much more different and, and, and more, much more profound. Um, but my point, it's just hard to give to give that trust over to God the same yeah. way I would have given it to this. This guy who was training me. Yeah. No. And, 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 I, and it's listen, it's it's a very difficult thing, you know, and. I think your I think our faith is tested and when you see your loved one oh yeah you know dying on, yeah. on a you know on that a hospital bed mm -hmm. uh, or just suffering for years uh, we don't understand we, we believe that Jesus is a loving uh, caring Lord uh, and that wants our best and so with that in mind how do we figure out what is he bringing us through in that suffering there's something very purgative there. He's doing something not only for the person who's suffering, but for us who watch and attend and try to take care. 
there's he's doing something he's forming something in us hardening us in mm -hmm. faith in some in some degree and i and i think that there is something very purgative in that suffering and when we understand when we see that we have to understand that we are living the mass more than we could ever believe that we were mm -hmm. because what is the mass it is entering into that moment of calvary yeah and um you know as catherine doherty says when we're suffering like that we're on the back side of the cross interesting you know, we're on the back side of the cross hearing Jesus struggle to breathe mm -hmm. you know we're we're hanging there with him um, and so for him it was for three hours but for us it might be three years and and we're with the suffering Christ he's with us walking us through that um, and we don't know if that soul uh, that is suffering is um, that if his suffering is or her suffering is is saving other souls around the world there's something redemptive about that suffering the communal redemption the communal redemption yeah. like not only for that person who is suffering but also for somebody across the across the world right. that we will only know at the end of time did you ever have in your in your seminary training um father tom catania was he was he around when you Name were? Sounds so familiar. Yeah, I I had him in in college and then later on in in graduate school and absolutely brilliant priest, absolutely mm -hmm. brilliant. So he um, I had a course in uh, in Dante. Oh, okay. You know, that he taught, and I am really hoping I remember this correctly. And, and if I'm not, and there's an English scholar out there, you can uh, uh, please message us, and I could, I could clear it up the next time, but. All this, the, the suffering and, and, and the purgative life that, that we're talking about is all makes sense when when we get to heaven, right? And, mm -hmm. and when we have the clarity to see God. And, and the way Dante, and the way I remember Father Catania talking about it um, is that when, when we, what's it, when Dante finally sees uh, and, and sees the risen Christ in front of him, um, in heaven, the the end of that journey, all he can do is cry, yeah. right? Um, with that with that sense that when we witness a beauty that is so incomprehensible, and this happens to us on Earth, it happened to uh, seeing a child, a piece of music at a wedding. We 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 we've experienced this, but when there's a profound beauty that we cannot express any other way, it, it can bring us to tears. Yeah, you know, and uh, when when I think of purgatory as a way of helping me get to that point of, of breaking down in a, in a messy blob <laughs> because this is more beautiful than I could possibly comprehend, um, it's, it brings me to a sense of peace. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not, not fear. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, think, I think I do believe that purgatory is something that, that, uh, that we should be willing to want to celebrate rather than... Um, uh, rather than avoid, yeah, because at the end, our Lord is doing stuff in us that we will not understand no. until we see Him, <laughs> and all is revealed at the end of time. But don't you wish you could understand it at times? Yeah, like, I definitely. I, yeah, I want to know the game a little bit. God, could you explain <laughs> this like a little bit to us? <laughs> I'm very confused. Yeah, I kind of feel like sometimes He only reveals things to me like after I've definitely gone through something. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, 
I, I enjoyed the conversation. I'm not sure yeah, anybody I mean, else we, did. I'm pretty sure we're going to put people to sleep on this one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We're like 40 minutes into this thing. Oh, gosh. We, we lost them after the Cecil Fielder <laughs> conversation. They're like, Cecil who? <laughs> That's good for us. All right, guys, thank you. And, and thank you also for the idea. And if there's something that you want to hear about, um, don't hesitate to each reach out to us. If you're around this this community, uh, just stop in and talk to us. Shoot us an email. If if you're somebody from around the country, around the world who's listening, um, uh, you could find us. Uh, there's, there's a Facebook um, a Facebook group called Locust and Wild Honey. Um, and I do believe our email address is on um is up there as well so uh there's there's ample ways to to let us know or leave a leave a comment somewhere if we could help you out or or give us an idea where you're really really helping us out yeah god bless guys thanks